Dude, I just got a whole foot full of Legos. Goddamn stepped on a Lego on my way to the studio. <laughs> that it freaking sucks. Yeah, that sucks. You know what oh. else sucks? Decon. <laughs> but you know what doesn't suck what? or what can suck less is first lines hybrid decon they are absolutely revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method of blot apply remove uh using wet and dry decon now think about this no more rigging hoses finding a large enough area to set up all this stuff it sets up compact like toss it in the back of your chief's little buggy but stop listening to us. Do your own damn recon at makedeconsuckless.com or visit them at firstline.com. FLT is making decons suck a little less. Welcome, everybody, to episode 405. Can't believe 405 episodes have gone by, and I am currently on assignment. Yes. Um, where you Elsewhere. At? I'm in San Diego, where we are delivering uh, four days of specialist-level training to uh, the great people of San Diego and the San Diego um, Department of Health. Good people. Good and, people. But the cool thing is, I am on Coronado naval base which is where Ooh. the u.s navy seals are and so it is pretty badass because right next to our i don't know if it's really badass because right next to our uh classroom is the uh the firing range okay so all day long you hear pop 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 pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like what end of the firing yeah, range like, am i on hmm. i hope they have better aim than cops and they got like ospreys flying around the whole day and apache helicopters flying around the whole day so Yesterday, I thought one was just hanging out over the top to stop us from teaching for a little while. So, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't suck too bad. No, that didn't no. suck. The decon that didn't sucks. suck. Decon sucks. That doesn't oh, suck. Yeah, that doesn't suck. But um, <laughs> yeah, so conferences, we're still putting that ship together. I know we're submitting a whole bunch of papers for either upcoming or um. Or for next year, I know there's like three papers due this month for us going to. I oh man, what was it? Indiana? Hold on a second, I'm looking it up right now. I have it really close to me because I was just looking at it. Um, conferences here it is. So it is Indiana, it is Florida, Michigan Cold Zone, Connecticut Fire Instructors Continuing Challenge. Convergence and Oklahoma. Ooh, Convergence, that's a new one. Connecticut's a new one. Yeah, so there's some new ones that have been popping up. I guess people have just been reaching out to us, say, hey, can you present here? And we, we'd love to present places. So, yeah, a lot of places. I, the dates aren't firm yet. I, well, I, their dates are firm, but I just don't know if we're going to connect and actually get the deal together. So keep it on your, uh, on your list. I will. Oh, should I, should I tease yesterday morning? What happened yesterday morning? we might have the answer to the batteries oh yes in fact i'm pretty sure the answer is literally right in front of us uh it's it's uh it's it's not a it's not a cheap answer by any stretch of the imagination but it is pretty impressive nonetheless yeah so that's a developing story uh we were working with some people and we seriously might have the answer for batteries right like finalization of what to do with batteries we might have it so 
Stay tuned with that one. At, at least when it comes to EV vehicles. Uh, yeah, I think it's that's that's a. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I you a, could use it on scooters, but that would be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like using a tank to put out like a fire, <laughs> right? Like nothing. I'd be a hundred percent in on that, though. Yes. All right. So part two. Part two. Part two of 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 Karen. Yes. Yeah. So uh, if you didn't hear, if you're going, wait, what's part two? Go back. The Lapis episode four hundred four yeah. was kind of the the intro to this whole thing of when PPE fails. Uh, and it's always good to take a look at the different ways in which PPE can fail and hurt us. And um, it's not often that it leads to fatalities, but the ones that do, we really should examine. Uh, so in this case, go back and listen. And we're going to kind of start up with how she started to develop symptoms uh, immediately yeah. upon her exposure, right? So the first time she gets a couple of drops of the dimethylmercury on her latex glove while she was working, nothing happened. Happened. She wasn't even aware when you kind of like read through the stories in the backgrounds and you start, you know, reading the interviews that people have done when she was trying to figure out how she was exposed. This one incident didn't even it wasn't even at the top of her mind when she was trying to figure out how she would have gotten exposed in the first place. Right. So like what they call this is the initial asymptomatic phase, which is the immediate aftermath of an explosion. She didn't have any noticeable symptoms. There was no immediate indication of severe toxicity to that dimethylmercury. Yeah, though that started as the you get what's called the delayed onset onset of symptoms, right? So you're looking about maybe three to four months after the exposure, Karen started to experience very subtle neurological symptoms, right? These would be things like difficulty balancing, hand tremors. Um, and like I said at first, they were not associated in any way, shape or form with the dimethylmercury exposure because she didn't even realize that she had, you know, that this was an issue. Uh, in fact, she just kind of put it off as, oh, this must be like a stress thing or I'm getting older or something like that. All right, so I have to pause for a second because I'm just thinking about myself, like how many times have I touched something stupid? And you're talking about seriously a series of single-digit drops on your gloved hand that months later starts to propagate. Yeah, that's like, crazy. I've done stupid stuff and I cannot believe... So along with that, you know, you assume, all right, so I, you assume your PP protects you. But on the other hand, if you're a scientist, I, I have to comment on this because I've been thinking about this the whole time. If you're a scientist working with one of the most toxic chemicals on the planet, don't you think you'll be a little bit more careful? Yes. Yeah. And that kind of goes, like, but that goes into they didn't know. Right. They how just toxic this one? <laughs> well, they knew how toxic it was. Right. But one of the things that and, and I guess we could probably hit it now and then skip over it later. Uh, one of the things that changed in the world of PPE was the idea that our chemicals have to be tested against the material. It sounds insanely ridiculous now. Like, why would I put something on if I didn't know it was to be tested? But, you know, they just thought. It worked. This works. It, okay. it just worked. All right, I, I've got gloves on. This works. <laughs> Nobody ever turned around to be like, hey, let's do a really deep dive to make sure this specific chemical, you know, you do a generalized chemical, right? And, and we do the same thing with the level A. What is it? Like 20, it's tested against 21 yeah, different 21. chemicals. But nothing's to say that dimethylmercury isn't going to pass through that, that stuff. Right. All right. Well, we'll come back to that. So. 
So the reason for this delay is that dimethylmercury first needs to be metabolized by the body into methylmercury, not dimethyl, changes to methylmercury. And the significant difference for this is that methylmercury is able to be absorbed by the fatty tissue of the body. This, coupled with the fact that methylmercury is able to cross the blood-brain barrier, means it leaves so much of the neurocells susceptible to the damage of the organic mercury. Yeah, and as time went on, uh, Karen started to kind of feel this. Uh, she started walking into walls. Her sleep became erratic. She became irritable. Uh, she even got to the point that uh, her her husband had to drive her to the college. She wasn't able to drive anymore. Uh, and this kind of lands under the neurological deterioration that as time progressed, her neurological symptoms got worse and worse and worse. She began to experience difficulties in speech uh, and exhibiting severe cognitive impairment. Her coordination rapidly deteriorated uh, and it led to significant walking issues significant balancing issues yeah so because there was no obvious medical condition right this seemingly just popped out of nowhere it took a bit before her desperation of doctors did a mercury level test in her blood and her blood levels were 4,000 micrograms per liter which is about 4,000 Times the limit of normal. Um, 4,000. 4,000. 4,000. 4,000. From single digit drops. Yeah. So three, I think, was the exact amount. Oh my God. So it was only at this point that she realized she may have been poisoned by mercury. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. When the tests come back like that, you're kind of like, all right. I study toxic metals, and yeah, there's a possibility. Uh, and all right, so she was. This happened in what did I, what did we say? August. By December, uh, she was hospitalized. Right, and her her medical her, her entire medical being started to significantly decline. Uh, and they were she was hospitalized, put in, but still at this point struggling to diagnose her condition accurately, as the symptoms were not typically known of any disease at the time. So still trying to figure it out. So she's still in the hospital. Uh, the blood work at this point, by the time she gets admitted, hasn't quite uh, been done yet. They're still struggling to figure it out. Yeah. And, and then despite the extensive medical intervention, uh, Karen's condition continued to worsen and eventually she slipped into coma, which persisted until she passed. Yeah, which was uh, June 8th, 1997. So less than a full year, but about nine months after the initial exposure, uh, she died. And her death was a result of the neurological damage caused by dimethylmercury. So, all right. That is, oh my God, I can't wrap my head around this one. So the PPE, let's talk about the PPE because um, she's dead now. Yes, she yeah. still is dead. And for um, those of you that are, are are turning around and being like, "Oh my God, they're Monday morning quarterbacking," her no. fan just as a just as an FYI, her family and colleagues have worked tremendously hard to make sure yeah. that her death was a learning experience for the rest of the world. Yeah, this is not long ago, guys, and um, this is kind of like the genesis of, like as Mike said, a lot of what we do in hazmat um as far as pp selection came from this you know so you know yeah whatever so the issues of pp you know it's just such a weird topic that i'm trying to 
put myself in the shoes and I'm having a real hard time with it. It's it's why I'm seriously struggling because I've done so many dumb things and I could have done this three times to this morning. Right. Well, especially since we kind of, we, we think of it as like our PPE is there to protect us. Like we, we almost walk in being like, oh, we could take a bath in this shit. But only if you know the compatibility. Yeah. On every single on every single layer and everything. And uh, I mean, you know, we talk about different ways that materials can get into us and permeability is one of them. Like things are always able to permeate through through the material uh, and the latex gloves at the time in 1996, the latex were what was widely used in laboratories. Me and Bob were saying not only laboratories, but hell for a time, that's all you had even in EMS. There was yeah. no neoprene. There wasn't a lot of other different selections. Everyone just thought that that latex gloves were the, the way to go. And the latex gloves, they are not impermeable to impermeable to small molecules like dimethylmercury, and they don't provide adequate protection against something that is so highly toxic. I can't agree with you more. It feels like a very dirty segue, but you know what else would help with that? <laughs> a little training. training. A little bit of training. <laughs> and speaking oh. of training, how about you turn around and unlock your team's potential by having us come and try to uh, bring you up to speed? Yes, and so we do not sell you training. We ex we we expose you to experience. That's what that's what we can bring people that do. Yeah, and we take the programs that you need, the information that you need, and we will tailor programs to suit what your department's requirements are, what your first new area is, and the hazards that you're seeing on a regular basis. So we stay very up to date with our, our current topic. We are plugged into just about every outlet you can possibly have. So we are up to date on cutting edge techniques and tools. We have incredibly soothing voices that people like to hear. Uh, and we will, <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but we will absolutely be able to keep your class uh, engaged in interactive sessions. Yeah. And listen, the lifelong learning mindset is a big thing. So don't let your potential go untapped. Choose us as your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Contact us by visiting thehazmatguys.com slash hire us and reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today. So, back to what we were talking about. I'm just flipping back to Back the thing. to Karen. So, all right, <laughs> Poor Karen. What, was the, what was the actual issue with the PP? It was permeability of the dimethylmercury. The dimethylmercury is an incredibly toxic compound that could readily penetrate materials. Right. I mean, readily. It's just like if you think about it, like, honestly, there is um, what do they call it? A lattice. I think that's what they call it. Um, latex is not like it looks. It looks like um, like it's solid. You know, but it's it's not. It's actually like quite holy. You know, um, so we know for her, Karen that the accident was the cause and not the chronic exposure of the materials that she was working with because hair samples were taken. And based upon the concentration of the hair samples, there is a direct correlation with the spike in the free mercury at the time. That's actually a really smart move is to pull a hair sample because that's almost like a timeline yeah. of your exposures. Like an ice core. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's literally like an ice core sample. 
wow. Yeah. Yeah, because you can check. I think that's how they do drug testing for like like addicts and stuff like that. Because you can see when you took drugs or exposed to things. It's all in your hair. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they were able to narrow it down. Right. Because there's tons of different. We can't just give, you know, a lecture about this and, and, and be like, yeah, no, like, trust us. This is the only way she could have been exposed. She could have been being exposed for a long time. But that those hair samples, they narrowed it down. And her exposure was so incredible that it would be the equivalent of eating 144,000 pounds of salmon in one sitting. That's like I love comparing <laughs> shit to other shit, and I just think that that's absolutely amazing. You would have to eat one hundred and forty-four thousand. That's one four four comma zero 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 pounds of salmon to get that level of mercury mm. poisoning. Uh, yeah, wow, three drops. So again, kids, the lack of awareness, the extreme toxicity of dimethylmercury was not widely known at the time of the incident. We kind of now know it. Uh, and researchers and laboratory personnel were not fully aware of the potential hazards associated with it handling it. So as a result, safety protocols and PPE guidelines may have not been adequately addressed the risks posed by dimethylmercury exposure. So. Yep. And wow. in, in the 1990s, there was super limited PPE options, right? They didn't have an understanding of how the how the material did or, or didn't protect you. Well, we've come a long way since then, uh, but the range of PPE materials and options that offer uh, protection against these highly toxic substances, they were super limited. Now, this goes into how we operate. How How is this a lesson for us? Well, we need to really make sure that every single aspect of our PPE is compatible. Um, we want to make sure that there's layers. In fact, this instance, if you've ever heard of Silver Shields, if you've ever worn Silver Shield gloves, the reason for Silver Shield gloves came from this incident. So it is super important to do all of your research, uh, make sure that every aspect is going to be compatible. Because although we turn around and often say, ah, it's just a couple of drops, you know, we often think of level A and PPE as either as being binary, right? Either yes or no. It either will get through or it won't get through. And the reality is, is that even the stuff that level A's are approved for in those 21 chemicals, it is not a yes or no permeability. Material is getting through. Absolutely. Without, there is it, no it, question. There's no question about that. Like that yeah. isn't even that isn't even on the table for discussion, material permeates our level A. It's just a matter of what is the concentration and the amount that can get through. And a duration. Duration in, in of the duration, with right. And, but you just said something that was kind of, I, I remember the Silver Shield gloves, what those, they, they look like the crappy lunch lady uh, gloves that they would right. wear to serve in you tin foil jokes. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but the thing was, they almost seem so hokey that like nobody wears them anymore. You look at like you look at operations and or, or just aftermarket picture, pictures of of hazmat operations. They used to be a staple of what we wore to operations. I don't see people wear them anymore. And they were specifically designed for contacting extreme skin transmittable toxics. Yeah. And. So honestly, guys, uh, whoever the hell is listening, all three of you, uh, <laughs> you know, 
seriously, dust that box off, throw that thing on the table, and see what the gloves are. I, seriously, how many gloves do you guys have? Like, I know where we worked. It was Nitrile. It was Butyl. It was Viton. It was Silver Shield. It was Latex, like just your regular sol- uh Solvex? Solvex? Solvex. So we had like six different gloves we had. I urge you, take those gloves out, throw them on the kitchen table, and then go through that glove. Because if there's one piece of, I don't give a shit about the boots. I don't care about the frontage. The hands, you are doing work with it. You are. And so the probable point of contact of any hazmat chemical and it doesn't matter if you're in level A or not. You can be in firefighting gear. And there's many times where I would use firefighting gear and some type of glove system to handle what I did because I knew the exposure was going to be purely on hands. Right. Like there was no shock to this thing. Right. And know what your gloves can do and cannot do. Yeah, and question every run. I can't tell you how many times we would be uh, responding to an acid and they would, the new guys, even relatively seasoned guys, would just reflexively throw on nitriles Nitri. and, and then the, the Solvex gloves. And it's like, whoa, 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 Solvex is great for petroleum-based product, right? But we're going to deal with a very strong acid corrosive, or, or yeah. corrosive, and you have to put on the butyls. And, and it was kind of like, they were, well, they were like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. But you don't want to remember that after you're already being burnt, right? You don't right. want to be the case study. Um, so don't take anything for, for granted. Don't think just because I've done it this way before and I was fine, that is the right way. Double check every single time. No, but no, like what I'm seriously saying is like, you know, like Mike just said, know the trigger to change your glove. Like it should be almost like a decision tree where it's like an if then statement. Like if it's a corrosive, you consider these two. If it's a petroleum, consider these four. You know, and almost have that pre like as stupid as it sounds, we used to have a chart. You know, um, everybody knows like when you get into a level A suit or a level B suit, you know, Mike uses a size 15 shoe and he's a double X suit. And when we're really getting our shit together and we're getting dressed, do you think it's now time to go over like a waiter and go, okay, Mike, what would you like your selection to be? Is no, that's your resource. It? That's honestly your resource officer's job, right? Or, exactly. Or resource or science officer or, or whatever you want to call it in, in the department that you're in. They should be turning around and going, this is the type of glove that you're going to wear. This is the type of suit you're going to wear. This is the material that but you can do we even that have that material. Yeah, we you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you can have, I'm sure my palm, but because my camera's going to start moving. Um, it's, it's like I had a chart with Mike Monaco. Here's his boot size. Here's his, his suit size for every single suit. I didn't have to ask him. I just pulled it. So you can almost make a chart, an if-then tree, a, a, a decision tree. Well, if we're going to this incident, then these are the, 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 the three gloves to consider. Tech ref or resource would say, we're selecting this in consultation with the two guys that are going down range. Right. And there's, and there's no shame in comboing up dro- gloves. Like no, you can seriously say, I can wear a silver shield and butyl. Right. Look at some of the, the level A's. We wear the nitrile glove underneath as an inside glove, right? Then you have your, your, your butyl rubber glove. And then we were putting uh, silver shields on top of that. And then we were putting Kevlar on top of that. 
So there is, you know, there's nothing that says you can't you can't level up. Check your gloves, guys.